0: Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com.
1: Welcome to episode 14 of the Husky International series and a long interview with Lebanese adventurer Maxim Chaya. A big thank you to Naimaka for this episode and of course the fantastic hotel Clarion Sign where we recorded this interview. My name is Magnus Urmestad, and this is the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Find out more at huskypodcast.com or find me on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at the handle huskypodcast. You ready?
2: Yes. I was ready when I first met you.
1: You're here to, uh, to run the Stockholm Marathon. I am. How come?
2: Well, um, I'm quite involved with the Beirut Marathon, which is now 11 years old. And uh, some five years ago, we introduced two new things at the Beirut Marathon. One was the notion of marathon relay, where six people relay one another to run the marathon to introduce people, to to encourage people to run the whole marathon eventually after uh, doing the relay uh, a year or two. And the second thing was the notion of running for a cause for charity. So being a prominent member of the Beirut uh, Marathon uh, board, board, uh, and I just had the idea of mixing the two together. So I formed something called Ambassadors Running for a Cause. So every year, I train a team of ambassadors, and they form a six-person team. And I run alongside them from beginning to the end, and they relay each other with me. And uh, we all do that for a certain charity every year. And lo and behold, last year, um, the year before, let me start with the year before, uh, the two years before, actually, (laughs) Niklas uh, Kebon, The Swedish ambassador to Lebanon was on our team. And when Niklas was um, replaced by Diana, Diana Janse, uh, she became on our team, as well as her husband, Frederick. And last year they said to me, Max, we will be in Stockholm in May, end of May. And the marathon, the Stockholm marathon is end of May. Uh, Would you like to come and run it? And at the time I said, yeah, why not? But then it uh, materialized and here I am.
1: And it turns out that Fredrik is listening to this podcast and he sent me an email. You know what? I know this guy and he's coming to Stockholm. Would you like to interview him? So I'm super excited. So am I. Yeah. First time in Stockholm? No.
2: First time in Stockholm, yes, Mm -hmm. but not first time in Sweden. I actually went on a on a tour, uh, on a boat tour um, when I was a young kid at, at the lycée in Beirut, and we did uh, we, we we went to the northern countries. We did uh, in De- we did Denmark. We did Visby, which is mm-hmm. which is yeah. part of Sweden, yeah. and we went uh, all the way to what was then called Leningrad, which probably gives away my age. <laughs> <but> <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: when you meet people for the first time, and they ask you, so what do you do? <coughs> what do you do for a living? What's your, what's your answer to
2: that? Well, my, my answer is invariably good question. I still haven't figured out what I do. Uh, I, I throw the joke in. But look, um, I studied economics, but I quickly found out that um, it's not really what I wanted. So while sitting indoors at a bank, looking at screens with numbers, I would always look outside and think, this is where I'd like to be. So there came a time when things reversed and I went outside to do my own thing. So now, to answer your question, I am the corporate ambassador of the largest bank in Lebanon, Bank Audi. Spelled like the car, but it has nothing to do with the Audi car. And Bank Audi were the first ones who had the vision and the courage to kind of sponsor me for my crazy idea back then you know, somebody from a country with virtually no mountaineering background to challenge himself to climb the highest peaks in the world, to plant the Lebanese flag on the summit and send a message to the youth of Lebanon and the region that you too can be the best you can be and can achieve and can exploit your full potential despite what's going on around you. Because sadly Uh, Lebanon I don't think will be like Sweden or Switzerland anytime soon there's always ups and downs but it's a shame in my opinion for those who have amazing potential our youth I mean to waste it simply because things are not hunky-dory around them
1: now if we rewind a bit where is where is your home what do you call home
2: Home is Lebanon. I live uh, in a village at 800 meters of altitude, some 20 minutes from Beirut, Uh, uh, my my native Beirut. I was born and raised in Beirut, but now I live um,
1: in a village called Baabdat. What was your uh, childhood like? Hmm.
2: You know, the war broke out in 75. I was about 14 years then. And since 1975, I've been scattered around the place. So I went to school in Canada, which is where my mom was born. I went to school in Greece, simply because it was close and because there was uh, an English school that appealed to my parents then. I went to school in France. I am also between brackets French because I married uh, someone with a French nationality. And I finally went to university in uh, in England, the London School of Economics. So because of this traveling around and seeing different cultures and different doctrines, I think I was brought up in a different way than those friends of mine and colleagues of mine who stayed in the old country during the war. And I think that wasn't such a bad thing, you know, seeing new horizons.
1: But you've always kept, I mean, you, you grew up in Lebanon until you were 14 or 15, yes. yeah.
2: And I would invariably uh, come back there. My father wanted us to spread our wings, as they say, but he also wanted us to keep our roots. So he would bring us back to the old country every Christmas, every Easter, every summer, despite sometimes the ongoing war. So we kept our roots. and. Um, Unfortunately, things are not very, you know, honky dory as they say in my country. But we still uh, find uh, that it is an amazing place to be because we're blessed with an amazing geography. We have the sea, the Mediterranean. We have 3000 meter high mountains. We're blessed with snow in the winter, which is um, kind of rare in the area. Uh, We have a great joie de vivre. Uh, So even during the war, there was nightclubs and people, you know, enjoying their their, their life. And so it's a good place to live. Maybe not, I dare say, a good place to maybe do business because it's not that easy.
1: Um, What, As a kid, what kind of kid were you?
2: Good question. You'd have to ask my... Well, I know that one of my teachers used to tie me to my desk (laughs) because I was restless. And I remember that, you know, the bell would ring and everybody would go away and and she'd be busy doing something. And I would say, well, please release me, release me. (laughs) (laughs) And I also often was kicked out of class and had to stand at the door. And because our house on a building that my father had built uh, overlooked school my dad
1: would know instantly if you would know
2: instantly he would actually even <laughs> he had a tripod with a with a with a camera <laughs> and, a, and a and a and a tele tele lens and he would take photos of me standing there which was a bit well <laughs> humiliating
1: <laughs> to say the least <laughs> what did you uh, want to become what did you dream of what did you want to become when you grew up
2: it's a good question uh, it's a good question i i don't think i had something specific in mind but uh, for sure, I wanted to get out there and see the world and discover other places and other people and other ways of thinking.
1: What kind of role models did you, did you have?
2: That's a question that's often asked. Uh, and I'll be honest to say that there wasn't really role models. And it's probably something that the youth in Lebanon still um, suffer from now we don't have many well um we have lots of uh, artists be it in singing or in dancing or in or even now in, in in other types of arts which which is fantastic so but but um but for sure our politicians have not turned out to be role models and sadly it is our politicians that we still see most on the media so at the time, I don't think I really had a role model. Of course, I used to, I used to hear about people who had done things in an amazing way across the world, and I would say, wow. And I remember once actually, um, we had a billiard table at home. My father was playing billiard with his brother, my uncle, who was also my godfather, and on the telly, black and white at the time. Uh, They were watching, we were watching the landing on the moon. Was it 1969, was it? 69, I think. 69. Was it? I can't remember what it was. I think it was a bit more. But anyway, um, and I mentioned something like, whoa, I'd love to get on the moon one day. And my (coughs) uncle and godfather says to me, well, Max, I think that's a bit difficult. The most you can hope for is perhaps... Stand on the summit of Everest, which is the closest you can get to the moon. And since then, Everest has been on my mind. And I, at the time, of course, I wondered whether I'd, uh, I'd ever see the Himalayas or, or Everest, let alone try to climb it. But there we are a few years later and uh, <laughs> actually made it to the summit.
1: That's how life is sometimes. Uh, but did you have like dreams of adventures? Did you read... Uh, like uh, the old books, or did you, did, you have a, did you dream of going out on adventures as a kid?
2: Actually, maybe not dream, but I did think about it a lot. And I did read, uh, I have books about, you know, uh, adventures in the high seas and uh, at the poles and stuff like that. And I used to take interest in these, but never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would challenge myself to, to do such adventures.
1: But you were a lot into sports, it seems.
2: I was, and I still am. I mean I'm running the Stockholm marathon tomorrow <laughs> uh,
1: would you say that you were that you were or are still are a competitive person when it comes to sports do you uh, uh like do you compare yourself with others do you want to uh, like you you really want to perform if you do something you have to be good at it because it seems you have been quite successful <sighs> yes, in really in many sports yes I,
2: I I like to be good at something and I try to although not as much as before. But in answer to your question, no, I don't like to compete. I don't. I don't like to compete against others anymore. It is more against myself that I compete. I know it's a cliche, but I really don't. I mean, look. Actually, when when they knew I was coming here, the Lebanese embassy in Stockholm said, "Whoa, that's fantastic. We want to host you for a big event. And we didn't know you we were coming to inaugurate the Stockholm Marathon. And I wrote back saying, well, thank you for your kind words and hospitality. I am indeed coming to Stockholm, but uh, far from inaugurating the, the Stockholm Marathon, I will be simply like one of the other 10,000 runners actually running the streets of Stockholm. So, So, yes, I do like to... Compete, but more against myself.
1: Um, and uh, like you, like you, like you, you told, told me about your upbringing and, and schools in, in, in different places, uh, you seem to, to have a very cosmopolitan identity, to say the least. Uh, has that? Have you always seen that as a strength? Because I can imagine at some points growing up, it can also be a bit problematic. Like, when it comes to your ad- identity, maybe, like, did you, have you always felt a le- like, a, like a Lebanese person?
2: Yes, I have. Yes, I have. It's true that because of my upbringing in different schools and different countries and different languages, um, I can be, as you said. But I've always felt that my country is Lebanon and my roots are there. And I actually live there now, although I travel a lot. And I'll be honest with you, I don't agree with many, many of the things that are happening in my country. Sadly, it doesn't look to be on the right track for, uh, let, you know, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. It's a fantastic place, but I'd, I'd love it to be run in a different way uh, where the laws are applied without expe- exception on everyone in the same way. Sadly, it's not the case yet.
1: Um. What is, an, according to you, what is an adventure?
2: An adventure is when you step out of your comfort zone and go somewhere not knowing what the outcome would be.
1: Do you remember your first adventure?
2: My first real adventure was how this whole thing started. It's, it's elaborated on in the introduction of my book, Steep Dreams. I was actually... Yeah, this is what i wanted to say in the beginning about competition i still feel the need to compete today because when i was at an age where i should have done competition i wasn't able to do so because of the ongoing war so i still find myself now sometimes not sometimes waking up early and torturing myself in training regimes as though i was going to be uh, in the next olympics uh, and this is because uh, i did not have my dose of competition when I should have, you know, at at the age where I should sit back and see my kids compete and I still do it myself. Now in answer to your question now, because I did not compete as much as I would have liked to, I began organizing races for others in my country, bike races, running races, Climbing races, even rock climbing. Uh, this, was like
1: 90, uh,
2: this was like ninety. This was turn of the century, ninety-five okay, or something. Okay. Yeah, and I kept my fitness levels up, and I would go and compete in the name of Lebanon abroad. And one day, I find myself on my mountain bike, in a stage race in Africa. The Kenyan African, the Kenyan International Sports Safari. I was actually leading the race on stage number 5 the penultimate stage when I fell and dislocated my collarbone. Now I had to pull out from the race although I had some more than 10 minutes uh I was 10 more than 10 minutes ahead. I pulled out from the race and I rushed back home for surgery. I had a surgery to replace my collarbone. But I came so close. I mean before that in Thailand I came second and in Egypt I had came, I came come third. So I was hungry for a victory and I had come so close yet so far. So I decided to go back there for that annual race. And after winning the race, you know, this whole incident falling the first year, coming back for surgery and uh, and, and then coming back and winning it, made me good friends with the organizer, a German person who was actually leading an expedition on a nearby mountain in nearby Tanzania, the mountain Kilimanjaro. And he invited me along, and of course we have mountains in Lebanon and we're blessed with snow, but I had never experienced a high mountain, Kilimanjaro is 6,000 meters. So my love for adventure and the great outdoors led me to accept the challenge, and some four days later I stood on the summit. And while coming back from the summit, I learned that this was, well, I knew it was the highest peak in Africa, but I learned on the way back that this was one of the famous seven summits highest peak on each continent. And uh, looking a bit deeper into this uh, story, I learned that uh, only, I think at the time, 58 people had achieved the seven summits. And because also I discovered something new in, in, in climbing a mountain, you know, like I said, I'd been used to competing against others between a start line and a finish line, which is what you do in a race. On the mountain, you never compete against others and you of course never compete against the mountain which is way bigger than all of us but what happens is you compete against yourself and this made me realize that i had a lot more potential than i thought i did and it made me want to you know challenge myself Keep on, on the mountain further and so i challenged myself to climb the seven summits there and then during my first real adventure on kilimanjaro uh
1: is that typical you like uh, you had your eyes set on this race in africa you had the chance of winning it and then you, you 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 had this crash and then you but you wouldn't you wouldn't give up you you uh you wanted to do it one more time so you waited one year is that typical of you
2: it is actually very very much me yes and without knowing it i seem to be lucky enough i'm gonna say or i'm not gonna say i seem to be lucky enough to turn all my big negatives into even bigger positives. And that's a blessing. And I, I it's got nothing to do with me, but maybe I was born under a lucky star. <laughs> and hopefully it'll go on that way.
1: Um, uh, you said you were organizing like rock climbing contests and so on, uh, how did your... Uh, uh, how, does your exp- how did your experience in, in, in the mountain life, the mountain ways, like the, the alpinist's part and the climbing, how did that take part? Like, how, did you, how did you start that and where did you get that ex- experience?
2: Oh, um, I'll come back to Steep Dreams, my book. It's 16 chapters. It's entitled Steep Dreams, My Journey to the Top of the World. Chapter 16 is Chomolungma, which is Everest. But every other chapter is another expedition, which taught me the, you know, the experience needed and the knowledge needed and the wisdom, may I say, needed to be able to allow yourself to attempt Everest or any big expedition. So I took it one step at a time and I began with something like Mont Blanc, or Kilimanjaro, Mont Blanc, stuff like that. And I did take a few courses Uh, a few mountaineering courses, crevasse rescue, um, um, self-arrest, team arrest, uh, all of these things because I was passionate and I knew that ultimately I'd have to challenge myself on bigger, bigger mountains than the ones I was on now. So when there's a will, there's a way. So I knew that it would take time, but I, I made the sacrifices in order to be able to achieve my
1: my aim um how did your your like friends and family how did they respond to you as you kind of uh, embarked on this journey
2: that's a good question i also <laughs> write in my book how how i announced to them my crazy out of the box idea of climbing the seven summits uh, i i i invited them all to a, a restaurant which my sister was actually um um Managing at the time, and I told them I have forged myself a new uh, Profession and that over the next three years I'll be attempting to climb the seven summits and that this was all Kind of sponsored by Bank Audi you Um, had that
1: at the time like even at the first summit you had that like uh, You 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 got that um, cooperation with them?
2: Actually, no, I did a few on my own Mm -hmm. so while Friends would save money to buy a new car, or I would save money to go on expedition, uh, to discover a new place and to test myself and to discover a new place through something that I like, my mountaineering. Uh, um, and so when I challenged myself to do the seven summits, then I saw that it was something, I saw that it was not only something. Expensive and I'm not somebody who was born with a lot of money But also I wanted to put the whole thing into a context and I wanted to uh, I I thought about the post seven summits before actually starting to climb them and That bank bank Audi has a slogan Which says grow beyond your potential and I believe that they uh, embodied my 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 out of the Box idea to climb the Seven Summits simply because it embodies their, their motto. And so uh, when we struck a deal, then from then on, I concentrate only on, on the climbing and, and the documentation of each climb, be it with photos, videos, or uh, uh, diaries, which I still
1: use now. Uh, uh, what, what, what kind of uh, challenges attracts you or what is it with the uh, for instance with mountains with the summits with the seven summits what is it that attracts you with it is it is it possible to
2: it's got nothing to do with the mountains i don't think although i i love the mountains but since everest i haven't really climbed any mountains i did the south pole from the hercules inlet all the way to the to to nine degrees south after that i did the north pole from the north of canada all the way And then I did the Indian Ocean, so it's got nothing to do, and now there's a new one in the desert, which has got nothing to do with the mountain, but it's simply, you know, at my age, I still ask myself, why do you do this, Max? And although, you know, uh, I think, you know, there's easier ways of maybe enjoying yourself or feeling alive than than doing this, it's a fact that I cannot live anymore without a summit in mind, something to work for, something hard to prepare. You know, this every adventure takes a couple of years to prepare. Uh, so and it's and it's I find it very, very fascinating to prepare a new adventure and to go into the details and and work behind your computer long hours and, you know, for the logistics and of course the training and then to achieve it.
1: Um. And uh, Lebanon, Lebanon, like you said, you have the mountains, but you also have the ocean. Uh, are there like any elements that you feel more at home in? Or is that like, uh, that's not the important part? Like you said, I mean, it's not the mountains in itself, is it?
2: It's not about the mountain. It's not about the sea. It's about challenging yourself and to grow beyond your potential. Exactly like that slogan says. Uh, in the beginning, I thought it was a... Silly slogan, because how can you grow beyond your potential? But you know, I was climbing mountains in, in Lebanon of 2,000 and 2,500 and 3,000 meters. And then uh, I grew beyond that and I okay, and I and I climbed uh, you know, the seven summits and uh, eight thousand meter peaks. The same, I mean maybe my ancestors, the Phoenicians, had something to do with the high seas and navigating, and maybe that's why I, I felt compelled to go and row an ocean. But uh, It's more about challenging yourself
1: what was from the uh because it's called what you've done part of what you've done is called the the adventurous grand slam and you are the the sixth person ever to uh to to finish it and it's the seven summits and it's the north and the south pole um if you would look at that package, <laughs> what what is most memorable? Is, I it, is, it, is it even possible to extract a certain experience or t- memory or?
2: Look, it's experience. difficult to uh, judge one expedition or mountain uh, against another. It's like, you know, all, it's like your kids. You can't say, I love this kid more <laughs> than that kid. <laughs> But let me tell you, you mentioned the Grand Slam, which is the seven summits, the three poles, which is Everest and the two other poles. But if you add to that the, the Indian Ocean, yeah. which I rode, I don't think there's anybody who is silly enough, <laughs> I may say, to have, cha- to have done the seven summits, the three poles and rode an ocean. We should find a new uh, category for these bozos. Who the
1: Grand Slam Deluxe. <laughs>
2: That's a nice one. Um, the Indian Ocean was an amazing experience. Especially that, you know, I had never rode an ocean before. Especially that the Indian Ocean is very, very (laughs) tough. Especially that the two my two teammates whom I chose really, I did not know very well. They're from two different countries, different languages, different ways of thinking different religions I think maybe and it was very interesting to see how us three in this very very harsh environment confined to a little 8.8 meter boat uh, would fare amidst all of the problems that we had and we did have a host of problems so that was very very interesting. North Pole was extremely interesting as well and I would climb Everest again in a heartbeat probably from the other side from the Uh, Nepali southern side because I climbed it from the Tibetan northern side. But I probably would never put myself through skiing to the North Pole again. It was very, very dangerous. To begin with the cold, we began from the north of Canada on the 3rd of March. And as you guys know, because you're far up north as well, the sun hasn't even appeared above the horizon at that time. So it was very, very cold. I remember when we landed the Bush pilot, uh, you know, he, uh, he goes to the back door and he opens it for me. I'm sitting next to the back door. and He holds it with both hands so it doesn't slam against the fuselage. And he says to me, Max, welcome to nowhere. The temperature is minus 48. And that was at midday. He chooses midday to land because it's mm. the most uh, light, uh, the lightest part of the day. So you can imagine if at midday the temperature was minus 48 what it was going to be like uh, at midnight when the sun is even lower and it's darker so uh, it was very 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 dangerous also the fact that uh, the ice at many many stages was marginal ice so almost just 10 centimeters or 8 centimeters thick and you know, it's newly formed ice because, you know, it's, it's dynamic. Sometimes it opens up into an open lead and sometimes it crushes into um, a, a pressure ridge. But the, the newly formed ice was very dangerous. And if you go through the water because you're dragging a sled, which is quite heavy behind you and you're heavy. If you go through the water, of course, the water is not very cold. But when you come out of the water into such cold environment, then you start losing fingers and toes. And last but not least, there was the danger, the, the, the ever-present danger of polar bears. So the p- and 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 you're so far away that nothing can come and rescue you, not a helicopter. The twin otters can cannot land everywhere because you know the ice is not strong enough or there's too many pressure ridges. So if you have a problem out there, you're you on know, your own. You're on your own, mm-hmm. definitely. So all of them have memori- Well, Everest also was a very memorable climb, especially that sadly. As anyone who's watched the very first version of Discovery Channel's Everest Beyond the Limit. Uh, Knows, on my way back from the summit i come across uh this guy who's practically dying you know unconscious and dying and I, i i had to yes although i stayed with him more than an hour to try and salvage him there was nothing anyone could do and i had to just leave him there and come back down so it was a horrible way to end my everest summit and my seven summits odyssey but it brought me back to the reality of life and death really uh so that was very very memorable in both a good way and a bad way you know triumph and tragedy so to speak
1: um what when you when you start planning stuff like this like rowing the indian ocean or the seven summits what comes first like is it the what's your vision doing it like uh um, do you see? Uh, what do you, do you see? The uh, do you see yourself like rowing in like uh, the roaring forties and like throwing up, or uh, struggling and it's cold and it's wet and it's dark? Or do you see like uh, like, you le- the- like leaning back? We've done it. Like popping a bottle of champagne and whatever. You know <laughs> what?
2: Uh, you have to take the good with the bad. So I think I see both. I'm old enough to realize that things can turn south and things can go wrong. And I always try and have a plan B and even a plan C. But at the same time, just like I've done it before, I realize that yes, things can be fun doing this and you can succeed even at what others perceive as being impossible of course before that you have to have sacrificed a lot of time effort resources to do the right training and I don't just mean physical training the right research the right um, planning the right preparation Uh, but in the end yes and you know what the tougher the challenge the greater the reward so it's not bad to, you know, aim for something really high, but then really work hard to make it up there.
1: These, these major stuff that we've covered so far, <coughs> these uh, adventures and expeditions, uh, understandably, it's it's like uh, it's a kind of a big machinery. If you look at like sponsors and it's a lot of money involved, and it's a, uh, you have the like media and you have to document everything. Does that, don't you ever feel that that t- like takes apart away from, from the joy of it all? Like, do you uh, sometimes long for like just you or like your family or like you and a friend? Just, no one knows, no one even knows what you're doing. Just go someplace and do it for like a week or two and like well, stay out and like.
2: Well, like I said, you have to take the good with the bad. And in the beginning, yes, it wasn't easy finding sponsors to believe in you. Um, but like I said, not only did I need the money, but I also wanted to put the whole thing into a context, to use it in a, in a positive way. And when you have a sponsor, it's different than being a selfish father or husband, going away to other ends of the earth too. Um, I'm happy to say that now, if I was to, well, if I was to, if I was to say I want to, uh, you know, go to the moon on a pogo stick, uh, naked and backwards. I'd probably get a sponsor which would say, "Yeah, where do we sign? Because <laughs> I've been uh, successful in others, I suppose, and because they know that I you know I do this out of passion, not not, not to make money. Um, and so, I, so so it's not as difficult now as it was before to uh, find sponsors. and I'm happy to say, I mean I'm, I might sound silly, but I actually choose my sponsors, mm. and I make sure that none of them are in competition with any other. and of course, uh, I would never get a sponsor which is in competition with Bank Audi who were the first ones who believed in the max chaya that 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 we all know now
1: um but this with uh with you being a big name like being famous and being well known um has the the risk or the fear of risk of of failure has that does that grow or does it does it grow bigger or smaller does it, as, as a risk factor as you uh, uh, as you uh, you know, if you compare now like f- for the first summit or the, like the first two, three well, summits in the beginning,
2: f- the first few summits, if I was to fail then I would know that yeah. it would compromise my you know, you know the rest of my, yeah. my adventurous career mm. now, of course, I have more responsibility and uh, and I, you know, it would be um, negative for any of the sponsors if I was to fail. But you know what? To be able to succeed in a big way, you have to fail sometimes. You have to fall and get up again. But you can be sure that before failing, um, I will have uh, explored every avenue. And it would not be because of a lack of preparation or laziness or ignorance, I mean, ignorance about uh, the actual um, expedition in in question, Um, it will be because of something that's out of my control and, you know, in my book, one of my chapters is called um, caught in the cool war. It's actually an 8,000 meter summit called uh, Gasherbrum, where I decided to turn around before making it to the summit. So I actually failed this expedition. But you know what? Uh, no mountain is worth a life. And the mountain will always be there and I can always go back and climb it. So um, and, and in, in my opinion, failure contributes to success. And I think my failure on that mountain called Gasherbrum in the Karakoram in Pakistan, Contributed to my success on Everest. So failure is not a bad thing. On one condition that before you fail, you try your 100%. And after you fail, you learn from your failure so that it contributes to future success.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. to find out if it's right for you
1: But are you good at, are you good at turning around
2: It's tough to turn around, but there's a time when it's the only right choice you can't bang your head against nature. Nature is way bigger than all of us and of course these days we have ways of predicting nature. But sometimes you can't. And definitely I would never try and challenge nature. You challenge yourself on nature, but you don't never challenge nature. So I'm not good at turning around, but I'd like to think that when the only right option is turning around,
1: I will do it. Because I'm guess I'm I'm guessing during that's uh, during these big expeditions, you've had a couple of times where it's been, where you have been in very uh, tough, very dangerous and very exposed uh, situations. Do you think that you in some way have been lucky or are you just really good at like assessing yourself? For sure I've been lucky, for
2: sure I've been lucky. I mean, for sure I've been lucky. If I've done what I've done and I'm sitting here with you talking about it, for sure, Like I said in the beginning, I must have been born under a lucky star. But you know what? We have this saying on the mountain, we we prepare for the worst while at the same time hoping for the best, but you have to prepare for the worst. So you have to have your plan B and your plan C, and you have to know what you're doing. and, And also you cannot be selfish or lazy to climb Everest without trying lesser mountains. So you have to be, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to put in the sacrifices. To allow yourself to climb a mountain like Everest, you have to have climbed a mountain like Chouou before. And before Chouou, Gashobrum. Before Gashobrum, Aconcagua. I can't jump into a Formula One and drive it uh, tomorrow. Before driving a Formula One, I'd need to drive a Formula 3000 or before that, a GT car. So once you've gone through the necessary step and gone up the ladder one step at a time or maybe two steps at a time, then, yes, you will get to the summit uh, safely
1: and surely. Um, In what ways have your dreams changed along the way about these adventures? Or do you still like nurture the same dreams or has it changed along the way? You're running out of mountains, not running out of mountains, but running out of uh, high peaks to climb.
2: (laughs) Well, well, can't go any higher than Everest on planet Earth. and. uh, but, for sure, the North Pole was a lot more challenging than Everest. And in, while training for the North Pole in Scotland, at, a, at an SAS training camp in Scotland, I, I was in the company of people who were training to row an ocean. And at the time, the, no, the notion of rowing an ocean was, you know, the seed was planted in my mind. So, as long as I'm still able and willing I will probably challenge myself to do these quote-unquote silly things. Uh, but I'm sure there, must, there will come a time when, you know, I will hang up my climbing boots and my uh, skis and my what, whatnots and, uh, and, and, and do something else. But uh, I'd like to think that I'll be able to use all of what I've done to motivate others Um, to be the best they can be despite what's going on around them. And especially the youth in my region, which is in turmoil, seems to be in constant turmoil. And it's really a shame, in my opinion, for a kid uh, born with, say, that much potential to only achieve part of it because of the instability around. Um, and, and, And this is what I try to... To, 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 tell, to tell the youth, uh, you know, to uh, climb your Everests, achieve your dreams, uh, no matter what.
1: Uh, we will uh, for sure get, get, get back to that because you're not only the, the first person from Lebanon, you're also the first person for, like, from your entire region mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to reach these summits, these peaks, these goals. Um, what does that mean to you?
2: Oh, I've never been a uh, an advocate of firsts. It's not about, you know, being the first. Um, but for sure, um, the, my way of thinking is kind of outside the box, definitely from where I come. Because a lot of my friends, even family, uh, colleagues, when did hear about what I'm challenging myself to do, Many of them thought I was mad and many of them thought I would fail. I even thought I was mad sometimes. I'd wake up at night and think, Max, have you gone mad? But of course, I would, you know, chase these demons away, thinking that if others had done it, why can't I? Problems? Yes, there would be problems along the way, but problems by definition have solutions. Obstacles? Yes, there will be obstacles, but obstacles were made for us to break through and and go and achieve our goals. So in that sense, yes, I'm probably different than, than most people around. And you know what? It's those naysayers that make me more passionate about making it. Especially during the last adventure at the Indian Ocean, a lot of people thought I was...
1: Um, Out of your mind.
2: Out of my mind, yes. And at times, even during the, the Indian Ocean Crossing, I did think that perhaps I was out of my mind.
1: Spending, what was it, 57 days?
2: 57 days. With a fairer, f- fairer Island guy years. and a
1: UK guy? Yes. It would drive anyone crazy.
2: What would drive anyone it,
1: Yeah, to, to spend like uh, 57 days with that kind of people. <laughs> well,
2: I, I was just as bad or as good as they were. So <laughs> it's I'll not about, you, you know, yeah. just but being three of us in a very, very confined place on a very, very harsh huge ocean
1: yes it's tough um, I don't know if you can you can call that there is a a society of adventurers but I guess in some ways there are because it's you not that many people who have completed the, 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 the seven summits and, mm-hmm. and everything um, what does it mean in this society that you are from Lebanon
2: oh that that I call my country um, <clears throat> the small country with a big heart. Um, and it, it, it like, like, like I answered your question in the beginning, uh, yes, I feel I'm from Lebanon and I live in Lebanon and my heart is there and my roots are there. It, it's very um, rewarding for me to show a different face of Lebanon. And actually that was one of the reason why i challenged myself to to climb the seven summits one was to of course prove to to myself that had i lived in a country in a peaceful country no war no destruction i would have been able to achieve uh, you know my ambition to become a professional athlete but the other reason was also uh, to put a different face of lebanon on On the small TV screens. It was my own little way of showing a truer face of Lebanon. Sadly, every time I would turn the TV on while I was away during the war and see Lebanon on TV, it was terrible news. Not bad news, terrible news. So I thought maybe this is my little way of showing a different Lebanon, my Lebanon.
1: Uh, Do you enjoy challenging people's expectations like that? because they don't suspect to run into a Lebanese guy on the North Pole.
2: I don't enjoy changing their expectations, but I, of course, enjoy showing them the true face of Lebanon, Mm -hmm. showing them a different face of Lebanon than the ones they've been used to, sadly.
1: Um, Again, uh, thinking of this... I don't know, quote unquote, society of adventures. Is there a history of adventures from a like a, a Lebanese or a Middle Eastern perspective that that we don't know that kind of uh, exists in the shade of uh, of uh, Western adventures?
2: Uh, to be honest with you, every Lebanese is an adventure. To 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 survive the many years of war we had, and um, it's, been, it's been bad on, on, on a full generation, and the fact that there's still, many of them have left, you know, uh, but the fact that they, some of them are still there is, is, is a big adventure. Um, but for sure, like for example, my, my, my ancestors, the Phoenicians, like yours, the Vikings, uh, were big adventurers, they roamed the seas, they, they, they um, discovered uh, many, uh, many things uh, throughout the ages. I'm not sure I can think of anything recent, any recent adventures. Uh, but in many respects, Lebanon is a small country with a big heart, and you see a lot of Lebanese having made it to the top uh, positions uh, across the world because we are that kind of people uh, challenging ourselves. I suppose all people like to challenge ourselves themselves, but maybe because of the way um, the the region has evolved like that. And it's like the crossroad of all civilizations and being at where we are in the middle of the uh, the planet looking at it the way we usually look at it. We've been we've been almost everywhere and, and spreading our wings.
1: Um this this might be a uh a kind of a, a pretentious uh, question, <laughs> but uh in in some ways the like the concept the modern concept of an adventurer. I get the feeling that it, it's in many ways is kind of a product of uh a, like a nineteenth a or 20th century uh, national, geographic, western, perhaps even like borderline colonialist discourse, mm-hmm. like the adventure, like uh, uh, Hillary, or mm. like the. Is that something that you uh, can agree with, or like. Uh, I totally really?
2: disagree. You mentioned Hillary. Why? Why didn't you mention Tenzing Norgate?
1: I know, because that's the. Because that was, you know, my point that this is the he he got when he got like knighted when he g- got a medal uh, Tenzing got uh, like he had to eat like out in the back. He got served <laughs> dinner out in the back uh-huh. And um, this uh, the, the, these are the kind that's unfair, of that's unfair. That's it's it's amazing. It's, it's
2: amazing that um, I think Tenzing and Edmund or Hillary and, and and Norgay never divulged who made it to the top of the planet first. It was a team. They helped each other along the way and one without the other wouldn't have made it and it's great that they never divulged that. Okay, because Tenzing uh, because Edmund Hillary comes from the western world, New Zealand uh, he had a little more publicity and we always mention him but we forget so uh, i disagree i'm sure there are adventures in all parts of the world maybe they're less
1: Fewer covers on the national geographic
2: exactly <laughs> but i think national geographic let's let's give them some credit I Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah. They, they 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 you know they they put the spotlight on other adventures on, than the ones sure. and their back to work.
1: I, I i think i I'm, I'm kind of caught like in the national geographic maybe 60 yeah. 70 80 years ago yeah, or something. Okay. Like in the, uh, yeah but, oh yeah definitely
2: so, so any, but, but in answer to your question maybe what an adventure is you know an adventure could be somebody who, I don't know, lost a leg in an accident to get back and, and do something positive out of this huge negative. Or it can be anything, that's an adventure. Just going into the unknown, and I'd like to think use it for the good of others, not for just your own personal satisfaction.
1: Kids growing up in in Lebanon today, they are like a, a lot more likely to see you on TV, internet, magazines, and so on. Uh, but you you uh, you when you grew up, you 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 couldn't see Lebanese people making it to the to the top of the mountains. Um, is that um, that that legacy? Is that uh, what, is that, what does that make you feel like? How important is that to you?
2: Look, um, it's true. First of all, never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine that what I wanted to do would lead to this. It is true, as you say, that many of our youth look up at me and, uh, and, uh, and let's face it, take me as a role model. When I go to schools and universities, and I, you know, it's not about climbing. They all ask me about climbing. When I, when I talk to them, it's not about climbing. It can be anything. But it's just that despite what's going on around you, you have to have the courage to dig deep inside yourselves and pull out what's in there. The sports champion, the poet, the artist, the musician, whatever it is, There's always a champion inside of us that we have to to have the courage to pull out during our lifetime. Our lifetime is so short. It would be a shame for somebody who can be an Ingemar Stenmark or a Bjorn Borg or an ABBA. Not to bring it out and, you know, play your music. Play it all. Don't keep any music inside you.
1: Has it always been important for you to to inspire other people
2: of course it's always important for anyone to inspire but never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would inspire people in such a way now it has become a duty so uh, I I'm conscious about the fact that people recognize me especially when I'm in and that kids look look up at me. And so I have to set a not a good a great example. And I try to do that. Uh, And in the beginning, it was a bit difficult. But now it's, uh, it's become second nature. And it's very rewarding, to be honest with you to be seen in that light. And to be seen in that light from all types of people across the country, because I suppose this is because I stayed very far from politics and I still am and I'm far from, you know, religion, although I believe in whatever God I believe in, but I never show what God it is I believe in and I will never impose and I respect. I'm sure all everybody does. Most people do respect other people's way of thinking and religion, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe these were these are the reasons why people see me that as somebody who has made it, who is in the words of a very good friend of mine, I am famous without being rich. Usually you uh, associate the two words together. So uh, although I am, I am famous, I did not do this for my own pocket. And because now I'm finding um, uh, the time, uh, the will, but may I say the, the wisdom, but given to me uh, to use this in a positive light for others.
1: Uh, how does your contact look with with uh, like fans followers and people who, who look up to you
2: how do how do I keep contact with them yeah like how, how does that uh, relationship you know look like it's become a burden because I don't really have a, somebody to take care of all of that and uh, just with Facebook I cannot keep track and I don't even know my Facebook password although I have and I'm no longer allowed That's to accept any. That's a good anymore.
1: sign, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good what? That's a good sign, I think. <laughs> I mean, I Two days
2: ago, <laughs> Diana added me uh, as a friend on Facebook. To begin with, I'm not allowed to al- allow any more friends because there's a limit, apparently, to 5,000 friends. <laughs> and you can't change that. But you're allowed to go as a fan. But most people want to be friends. They don't want to be a fan. So I have a huge list of people wanting to be friends, but... Every time I try to go into Facebook on a device, it goes berserk because there's (laughs) such a long list and it it, it doesn't happen. And just two days ago, Diana tried to, our our, our dear Swedish ambassador uh, to (laughs) Lebanon, tried to add me as a friend. And I tried to go in and I couldn't go in and I forgotten my password. And I tried to answer a few questions. And it didn't work, so I don't know if my account is blocked now, but I have to do something about it. <laughs> I didn't, I forgot my credit cards at home, <laughs> which is something that happens. And so I didn't, I couldn't give the first four uh, digits of the credit card I had used. Uh, I couldn't find it. So anyway, so I was not able to accept her.
1: You're too popular for Facebook.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not. It's not that. And, um, it's tough. It's tough. You know, it's, bit, it's become too much. First, it was Facebook. Then it became Twitter. Now it's Instagram. I found a way to link my Instagram to both Facebook and Twitter. But I'll be honest with you. I have not been Instagramming, if I may say. I just... I, there's so many things happening and there's so much to do that it does take quite a bit of time. But I think I must... I promise you that before tonight, I will Insta a photo <laughs> of myself in, 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 in Stockholm... And to say that tomorrow, I'll be running the <laughs> Stockholm Marathon.
1: <laughs> but you, you, uh, you give lectures to schools. I do. Yeah. And you, you have this book. Steve I have Jigs. this book. Yeah. Not only at
2: schools, I do lectures to companies large companies. And, you okay, know,
1: okay, okay. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: Big, large companies, big multinationals. I've been able to link what we do on the mountain to life in general and business in particular uh, through this presentation entitled, There is an Everest for Everyone.
1: Um. What does your, what I call reactor? What is your inner strength? Your reactor? What does it look like? What's it charged with?
2: Uh, it's uh, manufactured by Saab.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, sweets, no, no, no. This is the it's bankruptcy, like It doesn't exist anymore. No,
2: they still do the the the, the fighter ah, yeah. jets. Ah, yeah. 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 yeah so yeah, it's a yeah. bigger <laughs> reactor, bigger <laughs> reactor than what you think. <laughs> what is my reactor made of? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Um, I'm a perfectionist, really. And in the beginning, my father used to say, you know, you do nothing because you you will only do it if it's if it's perfect. I'm uh, a bit stubborn, but in a good way, I think I am uh, flexible when I need to be, I think. But that's only come that has only come through the, the years that you don't, you know. But what am I made of? That's a good question.
1: Like what right when it's when when it's the darkest and coldest and, oh. and toughest. Like what keeps you uh going. what oh. keeps you going? Well, like where do you gather energy, yeah. like where do you summon energy from?
2: Two things. One is I think of all the hours and days and weeks and months and years of preparation, okay? Both physical, mental and everything else. And the other thing I think think about, I think is Okay, you're in a tough situation now and it's, you know, you're out of your comfort zone and it's difficult. But think of what you're about to achieve if you're able to overcome that situation. So you look at the big picture and you think of what you're about to achieve. And uh, it makes what you're going through now uh, um, peanuts compared to what you're about to achieve.
1: Do you still dream of adventures?
2: I suppose so. I mean, I'm preparing the next one. It's been two years. And
1: um, is that something that you can discuss? A present.
2: Actually, so it's the first time I'm going to divulge it um, publicly like that. But yeah, I can because um, it seems that it will go ahead because, you know, sometimes it begins in an idea and, and then it doesn't materialize. Uh, and also, I already have sponsors and uh, I already know my teammates. I did some trials back in January. So the next adventure will be in the desert. My teammate and I will be biking across the Arabian desert, and in biking I don't mean motor biking; I mean push biking. Uh, these are special bikes uh, that like we made. Like fat bikes, or uh, f- fat the tech? fat bikes, but you know, um, built to with you know, th- th- they're carbon belt drive, so there's no chain. It's an internal hub, mm-hmm. very elaborate. Um, Uh, It's built to very very high standards and we will be biking across the desert. Just the two of us no assistance, but We will be placing our food and water at regular intervals and marked with uh, GPS coordinates, coordinates. so definitely we will need a GPS (laughs) During the thing it'll be in uh, January or February uh, of 2016 and We will start off in the UAE in Abu Dhabi and we will Uh, head due south to Salalah in Oman, going through the Arabian Desert, which is called the Empty Quarter because it's the quarter of Saudi Arabia, which is completely empty. It's nothing but sand. It's a beautiful place. The desert, like I found out uh, during my trials uh, last February, is an amazing place, you know. Uh, You don't see much. You know, it's nothing but sand dunes and sand, but it's... uh, Unbelievably beautiful
1: must be very similar to to the poles in that sense and also the ocean that with the uh, With the views and with the like the the constant It is if
2: you want, but it's also very different Uh, it's 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 in a different uh, beauty Mm. and uh, Experiencing a night in the desert you Get to experience something which we have as they say driven away from our world silence the silence in the desert is amazing, maybe you, you can't get silence on on the high seas because you know you're always moving, and in the mountains, you can't experience total silence because sometimes there's animals but in the desert whoa it's it's really deafening silence and it's uh it's good to experience silence once in a while in in today's world where You have phones ringing and TVs screaming and cars honking and people shouting and etc, etc.
1: Do you feel that uh, the modern society is uh, like on a on a bad road? Like, did we take a a wrong turn at some Uh, point? Who am
2: I to judge uh, humankind and society? But I don't think it's on a bad footing. But it's a fact that a lot of people especially the youth sometimes use the advance in technology and all that in a in a bad way not in a good way i mean the internet is an amazing tool and without the internet i probably wouldn't have been able to do what i wanted to do but sometimes the internet is used uh, for not so good purposes
1: um do we need a adventures and now i mean like adventures in the sense crossing the oceans climbing the mountains crossing the deserts do do what 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 place has adventures in the society today
2: like i told you everyone is an adventurer in his or her own right and of course one needs to be adventurous if you stay home watching tv and doing the same thing every day then you're probably not going to achieve full potential. In order to achieve full potential, you have to have the guts to follow an idea that has come to your mind for whatever reason. And following an idea is, an, in fact, in itself an adventure. So we definitely need to be adventurous, maybe not climb high pikes and row oceans, but in different ways to explore new horizons. Uh, As someone, I think I read somewhere, how can you discover what's beyond the horizon if you don't have the courage to leave sight of the shore? So, yeah, you have to be courageous and and, and embark on adventures to see which one would would bear fruit.
1: What are you uh, most proud of? I don't know. Uh, I mean, you don't have to like, like uh, rate or like pick something above. I mean, if there's, if something comes to mind. Well, the
2: fact that without knowing it, I've become a kind of a role model for lots of younger kids. Uh, And that's that's very, very rewarding. Of course, there are other things I'm proud of, but maybe this one would come to mind in the context of what we're talking about.
1: Are you ever jealous of some people? because i ca- I can imagine a lot of people would say that i want to live like Max a lot of people like mm-hmm. you, a lot of people have you as a role model, and a lot of people are envious of you what do you have any people that that you are jealous of uh,
2: no I can't say i'm jealous. Of anyone,
1: uh, I uh, and, and, con- and I'm not. Mi- I, I don't necessarily mean like jealous, because I, I think there's two parts of jealousy. There's a there's a, 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 a nasty part, like uh, yeah. if you don't like. Uh, I don't like this people. Yeah. I don't like this person. But it, I think jealousy can. Oh, uh, I want I to would to say envy. Envy, envy is yeah. a lot better word. Like, yeah. are you envious of some people?
2: I don't think so. Um, I'm contempt the way I am. Um, Of course, I'm not somebody who has amassed vast amounts of money, whereas I probably could have, especially having studied economics. And I see a lot of the people who have less, who had less qualifications than I did. You know, they now earn a lot more than I do, but uh, it's very, very rewarding what I do. Uh, And and so I I, I don't envy uh, anyone in particular. What more could I ask for? I mean, I followed my passions. I still am and I've succeeded at doing that. And I'm seen in a great light and I have uh, two beautiful kids who are now both at university and doing well. So there's there's, there's nothing more I could ask for.
1: What do you know now that you didn't know when you were 18?
2: That I have a lot more potential than I thought I had, that I can achieve anything I really put my mind to, and that nothing is impossible if you really want to achieve it. I didn't know that when I was 18, but I definitely know it now. And it would be, I mean, it would be great if other people who at 18 or 16 or even 25 still don't know that, get it into their their skull that nothing is impossible, of course, nothing is easy, but nothing is impossible. If you put your mind to something, if you really want to achieve it, then you will.
1: At what stage are you now in life?
2: Hmm. You're asking me very um, interesting questions. And uh, I suppose if I haven't really thought about that, Answer or that question you've just asked. It means that I must think that I still have a long way to go before I change completely. Who knows what tomorrow will bring?
1: You're still on that uh, chasing that dream that started on Kilimanjaro. Obviously, not a dream because you uh, accomplished it. <laughs>
2: it's about time I wake up from that dream but um, yeah I think there's uh, you know you learn at every age at every stage and the fact that I'm okay I'm not I'm not 22 anymore uh, but I have a lot more uh, experience and a lot more knowledge let's face it and a lot more wisdom now than I had then so there's no reason why I should stop what I set out to do and explore new horizons.
1: I got to interview uh, an uh, Australian triathlete called uh, Christopher McCormick, Macca, Yes. McCormick. Yes. And he, uh, he said... Uh,
2: He's a good friend, he was a good friend of, I have two brothers, we're four in the family, I have two brothers, mm-hmm. but there's one other person we used to call each other brother. His name was Roy Nasser. Mm-hmm. He was a triathlete living in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And Roy was like a brother. Roy passed away. Less than two years ago, he was hit by a car. And Roy was very good friends with with Mac. And Mac is actually very good friends with with Tina, Roy's wife. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know a lot about Mac, although I did not listen to his lecture on Roy's six month, you know, six months after his death to the day we did a ride in Dubai and actually rode Roy's bike during that ride. Uh, which is very uh, difficult and good at the same time. But uh, Mac gave a lecture then, and I was not able to attend to it because I was I was with somebody who needed uh, who needed attention. Uh,
1: but he said uh, so, yeah. he said uh, something I like that uh, he said that a goal is a dream with a plan.
2: A goal is a dream with a plan. Yes, I agree to that. So
1: that's um, you're still fulfilling your. Fulfilling your dream.
2: Well, I would add an S at the end. It's more like more than one dream. So, but all embodied into one, 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 one idea.
1: Uh, thank you so much for taking your time.
2: It's my pleasure.
1: And uh, good luck tomorrow on the Stockholm Marathon. Well, I'm, I'm sure it will be a <laughs> compared to other. No, oh, It's stuff. a fantastic
2: way to discover uh, your beautiful city. Hell through a sport that i like although i i don't qualify myself as a runner so i'll be running slowly i'll be you know more than three hours for sure um but uh, i will i will definitely enjoy uh, the scenery which is beautiful at this time of the year thank
1: you so much thank you